You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week is a big one, guys. I know I've talked about this band for quite a while. Uh, Silverchair, um, Ben Gillies, the drummer for Silverchair, came on the show, and uh, we had a rad chat. He's from uh, Australia, as you guys know. Uh, so we did it over Zoom, and it was pretty sweet because... Uh, I really don't use Zoom that often, and it was cool because uh, even being you know a day ahead in Australia, the latency uh, seemed to be n- null. There was none, um, so it was interesting. I've not done that, uh, especially Zoom with someone from another country. Um, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. Big thanks to Ben Gillies for coming on the program. Uh, we didn't talk a ton about Silverchair. He's got a new solo record. I've only gotten to hear the one song called uh, Breathe In, Breathe Out. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had a good chat nonetheless, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it, and uh, I'm stoked to bring it to you, and it was awesome to have him on, and, and I love that band, and and uh, yeah, anyways, let's get some business out of the way, and then we'll jump in. So uh, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or, or comments, questions. Uh, I've been getting a lot of awesome feedback, which is great. Uh, definitely rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, we've got, man, there's a lot of big stuff coming up very, very, very soon. I'm so stoked. I know I've been saying it for a while, but uh, it's going to come to light very, very 
soon in the near future here. And uh, yeah, sorry, the show is uh, in the evening rather than the morning. I just got slammed uh, the other day and wasn't able to get it all recorded. So it's coming to you now. Anyways, without further ado, let's get into my chat with Ben Gillies from Silverchair. Are we gonna look at each other's lovely faces, or are we gonna? Uh, we, we can just do audio if you want. It's it's uh, if it's easier. I don't know. Uh, I don't do Zoom you, man, very I often. Think you'll probably get more out of me if we if we can see face to face. Sure. Let me uh, hold on a second. Turn it on. Turn it on. Just a second. All right. Let's see here. Okay. I'm gonna turn this landscape. How's that, my friend? That's bloody great, man. Hey, um, uh, I I was gonna try and get into my studio, so I was gonna give you better audio, but yeah, I just didn't. I, I it's, it's a bit of a hike for me to get there, so. Oh no problem, dude. No and problem. It's early here, so. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, how's the future? Because uh, it's Friday here, Friday afternoon. You're in the you're in the weekend already. You know, Americans love the fact that Australians are living in a future. Uh, I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't know why that's that's a thing, but yeah, it's a thing. Americans, you know, oh my God, you're in the future. <laughs> Did I just say the cheesiest line I could have opened with? No, no, okay. that was fine. And you, you didn't sound like that either. Oh, good. Uh, where are you at in oh. Australia? <laughs> Uh, at the moment I'm in Newcastle where I grew up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. I, I wish I could have made it down to Australia. In my touring days, dude, I, I, I did Europe, the U S everywhere, but like Australia never did, but, uh, maybe, maybe you could do a podcast tour. Yeah, I could <laughs> Just come, come down to Australia and do like, you know, I don't know, like a dozen like face-to-face podcast interviews. That'd be I think that'd be worth it, dude. Absolutely, I would do. I would jump at the chance to do that. Absolutely, it's. Uh, I've been doing it like three year, three and a half years now, something like that. We're like 160 episodes in, and and uh, yeah, just cruising right along, dude. I I got the email from uh, your publicist 
uh, about yeah. the, the new uh, the new music. And I was like, Jesus, like I've been trying to like find a way to get in touch with you guys about coming on the show like uh, for a while now. But it just keeps like falling by the wayside. Like there, there's usually like a uh, if I if I find like an inroad, like I'll take it. And then I end up getting like three or four other people. And then I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta look into those, those, uh, those guys down there. And, and, um, yeah, it was just kind of out of the blue. And I was like, well, absolutely. I'll chat with Ben, of course. So it was like this weird, random kind of surprise. Well, I think you, uh, I think you reached out to my, on the email on my website, which, so I got the email and then I wrote back to either you or whoever it was and just said, Hey, uh, when you know there's uh, I, what i don't like to do i don't like to do interviews and promotion for when nothing's happening uh-huh. do you know what i mean i feel i just feel like you're just talking about you're reminiscing about the days of old and it's just like eh, you know i can do that with my mates when i catch up with them you know whatever <laughs> but if, I, if i'm gonna do an if i'm gonna do an interview i'd rather kind of have something to talk about. So that's why I said, and I've just got like a, I just had a spreadsheet on my Google life for anyone that reached out to me. I just put them on the spreadsheet. Cause I knew the day was, I knew the day was coming and then I just flicked that to the PR guys and said, Hey, these people have reached out to me and want to have a chat. So, and I told them that I'd, I'd reach back out when there's new music. So here we are. Nice. Well, I appreciate it, man. And I, I that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I do remember yeah. reaching out and, and, uh, man, yeah, so I mean, you, you've been busy. You've been busy and and uh, and making new music, dude. I'm I'm uh, I've been stoked to talk to you because of, I mean, there's so many things you know uh, to talk about. But like, I've I've been a fan of yours since I was, you know, because you're how old now? I'm thirty. I'm thirty eight. Forty. Yeah. So I, you guys were just a little bit older than I was when when Frogstomp came out, and I was back in Alaska, yeah. and we. <laughs> We that's how we started to learn to play guitar was Frog Stomp, uh, Green oh, Day, awesome. Weezer, like and so basically like the one guy in the high school that could play Pure Massacre on guitar in the lunchroom, like in the corner, you know, like the, the kind of outcast kid just jamming on guitar, like holy shit, he can play that silver chair song. He was awesome. that was Joe Simon, who we then became in a band together, and and that's how like all this stuff started with like Portugal the Man and stuff coming from that. And uh, from that time, which is hilarious oh, to think awesome. about like, all the way back there. But having that much roots uh, with stuff you've been involved in uh, with my musical development, you know, was, is something I don't take lightly. I, I really I, I cherish it, you know, and, and um, that's why I was so stoked because like, man, this is incredible. Like I've never saw you guys live. I was always on tour when you came to the States. And never cross towns, never cross cities to where we could like, oh, let's go catch Silverchair. You know, like it never ended up happening. Uh, at one point, I almost canceled the end of a tour so I could make it to that Aladdin theater show in Portland, Oregon. Because I was like, man, who oh, knows right. if they're coming back? And it just, I didn't do it. I should have. Yeah, you should have, man. Fuck, we're a good live band eh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really good. Um, yeah, man, oh, that's all right. You never know. Who knows what the future holds? I mean, I still, I kind of, I still hold out some hope that one day uh, we'll all come to our senses and do something again. But yeah, you know. But, but for the moment, like I think, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy doing my own thing. It's pretty yeah. it's, it's damn fun, you know? So, yeah. Well, it's cool to see you. It's cool to see you, you know, uh, out from behind the kit. You know what I mean? Like you got, you and Chris are one of the best rhythm sections around, but seeing everything else you can do musically has been really cool to see. Um, you know, and, and hearing more of, of your personality, you know what I mean? Like, well, from the drums, you can put only so much, you know, like, uh, from an audio standpoint, right? Like you can put all your energy into it. You can put your flavor on it, but hearing your voice, like having, you know, all these other aspects now has been really cool to see. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've done, I don't know how many interviews you've done for this, this record so far. I'm sure you're, you're well into the press cycle, but, um, yeah, I just, I've, it's, it's really cool to see what you've been putting together. Yeah, man. It's, it's, um, I had a similar conversation yesterday actually with, with another interview and I was, I was explaining how, yeah, the drums are awesome. And you know, the riff, the, the, obviously they're very rhythmic and you can build polyrhythms and, and you kind of, you kind of drive the band, right? Like you kind of like the, the engine house of a band, yeah. uh, which is really cool as well. Uh, I mean, you've got the power to kind of, you know, push and pull songs. Um, but yeah, it, it is restrictive in terms of melody and, and chords. Um, and, you know, and I, I find like that's the kind of stuff that sets a lot of the, you know, drums do as well. It's a whole package. It's the alchemy of, of the band and, and all coming together that makes the, that final kind of piece that, that gives you whatever emotion it is you're feeling. But it's the... Yeah, you are you are a bit limited. You don't have as much kind of as many colors to play with on drums. It mm-hmm. is very rhythmic. So it is, I've, and I've always written like I, you know, I wrote the early days in Silverchair. I co, you know, Dan, Dan and I co-wrote Tomorrow together, which is you know the reason we're having this conversation today. <laughs> um, you know, so and I, I did I did write a lot uh, a lot more in the early days of silverchair but i think what happened like dan kind of took over the the writing the main writing role even though the band we all still contributed creatively mm-hmm. uh, it you know i wasn't kind of satisfying those writing urges for myself yeah uh, and i think you know it, it for anyone that's musical or creative it's really important to like have that outlet because otherwise you start getting angry and resentful. And, um, so for me, it was, you know, I I really had to get back to that, you know, that, that to have that outlet to be able to write music, Mm -hmm. uh, on anything except for a drum kit. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? What was that? And I'm just curious on my own here. Like, when that happened, when that change happened and, and Daniel basically was like, you know, going to take over most of the songwriting duties, what was that conversation like? Like, did that, did you in your mind, uh, think about, no, that's not going to work. Or was it mainly like, we're just on board from the beginning with that conversation. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, when Dan kind of took over the writing, I mean, I I don't want this to be too much of a silver chair interview, but yeah, no, I hear you. But, you know, I think um, for me it was kind of like just taking taking one for the team, right, mm-hmm. just to keep the band together because, I, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know if we would have, I don't know if we would have lasted. 
So I kind of, I kind of knew that. So I kind of thought to myself, you know what, um, if Dan, you know, you know what, I don't feel like answering that question. Okay. That's no problem. Sorry, sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just not in that headspace. Hey, sure. Well, tell me, take, take me back because I want to know when you went, like how you became to be a drummer. Did you, did you go to drums right away or were you, uh, were you attracted to another instrument first? I think it was a combination. Um, I, I remember the moment really clearly when I thought to myself, oh, that looks cool and I'd like to try that. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the, the, my primary school uh, hall watching the school band and I was looking at the drummer when he was playing. It was the first time I'd really been up close to someone playing drums and I just thought it looked so fucking cool and he was the coolest guy in the band and it sounded awesome. And, you know, just hearing that, that bass drum kind of just resonate through your body, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I didn't have that kind of articulated thought when I was eight years old, Sure, but, but you know, that's kind of like that, that was instinctual, right? Like I just had all these feelings of like, Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I, I went home and I said to my parents, like, you know, can I play the drums? And, uh, my parents had a rule that, um, you know, like any, any child, like if every kid wants to do everything, right. Mm-hmm. So if I, uh, if I asked for something more than once, uh, no, sorry, I had to ask for something three, at least three times for them to consider, you know, ca- uh, following through with it. Yeah. So I think, I, th- I don't know how many times I asked for, um, drums, but it was apparently a lot. Um, so yeah, so I kind of gra- really gravitated to the drums. But at the same time, uh, mum and dad had like a piano at the house. Dad had guitars. Um, like he played when he was a lot younger, before, you know, not when I was uh, growing up, but when he was younger, he played in bands. Um, and mum was a, a pianist. So there was always kind of musical instruments around and, and, I, and I could play guitar. Like I just picked up a guitar and started playing. I never actually had lessons. Uh, and same with piano, you know, I just sit around, sit on the piano and, and, um, kind of, you know, tinkle mm-hmm. we're, we're in the West. I think that means to do a wee, right? So tinkle. Uh, yeah. Tink, tinker in the States. Tinker is tinker. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sat so, down yeah. and started peeing on the piano. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just get up and I just pee on the keys. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so I was always, I think I've always been around. I've always been around like musical music and musical instruments, but um, I guess drums were the, was the one I just, you know, I, I was more formal that, you know, I went and got lessons and I, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess, when, I mean, we started the band when we were 12. So I'd only been playing drums for four years when, once we, when, because I, I started eight. So we started Silverchair, well, we weren't called Silverchair, but we started the band, like Dan and I started the band at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. That's, that's insane. It. I There's a few people that I've talked to on this show that have been like started so young that and being known for something that you've done, you know, since uh, being that, like you basically grew up in the public eye, which is such a strange thing to think about. Um 
you know, cause you think back, I all think back on moments of my life where I was like, good, I'm God, I'm glad that wasn't on MTV or that wasn't on this magazine, right? Like where you are allowed to grow up and have some moments and, or have some things you put out in the world that maybe didn't go anywhere that no one ever heard, you know, like it's such an interesting thing. Like I, I have a hard time even imagining what it's like, you know, going through, uh, adolescence in magazines and on TV, you know, and, uh, especially as you're learning, as you're, you know, uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy to think about, um, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I applaud, I applaud you for, for everything you've done, you know, and, and, and going through that, but it's just gotta be a crazy ride, you know? Um, did you, uh, like, do you remember the first records you heard that really drove you like where you started identifying, uh, that feeling you got when you, you know, you heard the kick drum, like, hitting you in the chest, like you started to formulate things. Like, were you already listening to music at, at eight years old? Like, did you have a good grasp of it or like a, an avenue to, to go besides your, what your parents had? Uh, I, I think, like I said before, I think it was very instinctual. Like, you know, we, we, dad had a lot of vinyl, um, you know, that I'd kind of sieve through, um, but it probably wasn't until around that time that we formed the band around 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad was, my dad was like on me about Led Zeppelin. He kept going, you got to try Led Zeppelin. Got to listen to Led Zeppelin. And he just kept at me and at me and at me. And I'd be like, yeah, what a night. You don't know what I'm talking about, old man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it was around that 12 year old mark. Um, he played a song for me. It was, we were in our, again, it's a very clear moment. We were in our lounge room in the house, a really modest house where we grew up and, um, and dad had these, he, he wired the whole house up, right? We had speakers in our bathrooms and then he had this, and then he had this, then he had this pad of like switches where you could switch between the rooms. It was unreal. So, um, so I was in the, in the lounge room we had these two enormous fucking speakers sitting on the ceiling and dad was like, Oh, check this song out. And he put on, um, nobody's fault but mine by Led Zeppelin. Uh And it, cranked the shit out of it. And it was like, I just had this spark, this moment, this really clear moment where like the lights were just turned on and I was just like, Oh, now I get it. And then I just became obsessed with Led Zeppelin. And, and that was kind of a bit of a turning point musically for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of became the foundation for a lot of, a lot of what I, what I, did and what I do, I think even to this day, yeah. Um, you know, the, the Zeppelin were just, they were just one of those bands that just had a magic about them. Um, that was just so attractive and it just, the, just the sounds and the, they just had that alchemy that, you know, that, that created a magic that's, you know, it's pretty, it's really, which I think is really rare in bands. Um, and yeah, and I was hooked. I was so hooked. And I just, I would, I would get home from, I mean, I was already obsessed with music, but that kind of, that definitely felt like a turning point. And I'd get home from school and, but I was obviously listening, you know, I, I kind of had my Led Zeppelin bubble where I was just, I must've been for 12 months. It was just, that's all I listened to. Um, 
but you know, as I guess as the grunge scene kind of started coming coming on board, mm-hmm. uh, I I started listening to a lot of that stuff. But you know, I I think at that point I would get home from school, and I would go straight to the stereo and I would just listen to music for hours and hours and hours on end, um, trying to you know tr- trying to discover new new stuff and and you know what I think once that kind of once that kind of oil is cracked and you, you know the, the 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 river starts flowing, then you kind mm-hmm. of just you kind of just want more and more and more, you know, and you kind of, and you're just constantly searching for, for those moments where you get goosebumps in songs. So, um, yeah, man, it happened pretty early for me. (laughs) Yes, it sure did. (laughs) I didn't discover Zeppelin till later. And I can tell you still that, that opening drum to the, uh, when the levee breaks where they recorded in that big stairwell or whatever, that mansion, like, that echo right when that harmonica kicks in with it it's just literally will give me goosebumps anytime i listen to it i could listen to it three times in a row and every time it would give me goosebumps i know exactly what you're talking about and it's just like uh the magic the mystique that band had too i mean you couldn't just look up what they had for breakfast on instagram right like you couldn't they they there was a mystique like you wouldn't there was no internet there was nothing like they were this like just larger than life thing and it's so weird now that you can do that like you can go see who was where you know there's like tabloid magazines and there's uh you know that mystique just isn't there anymore like people people that would normally be idolized like led zeppelin have an instagram or have a facebook page you know and you can see way more than you need to to where they become like an everyman right like it's it's weird that was kind of like the last band i think to really have that magic yeah but yeah it's uh it, it, it's social media and and what that's done to music is i don't know it's 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 empowering in one hand on one hand but uh yeah you're right it's just it doesn't feel like you need to know what artists are doing every every single day but i i guess i mean it's just it's just a changing of the guard right like yeah. that's that's what people expect now and that's that's what they like. They want to have that interaction and they want to have that instant gratification. Um, and that's okay. Like, uh, and for me, for what I'm doing now, I look, I think it works perfectly because it means, um, you know, for my solo stuff, it means I'm not, I don't need a big machine behind me. I can kind of, um, have a conversation and have a relationship with any fans and supporters directly, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't, you don't need this kind of, you don't need four walls before you, you know, before you actually get to, to the band or the artist. So yeah, you know, it's a catch 22. I'm bloody glad there was no social media when Silverchair were, were, were in its heyday because <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, dude, that would have been, that would have been something else. I, oh, I still don't. Yeah. I still don't know how, you guys made it through those years with so much just attention, you know, it's, it's crazy, but like, so tell me, so now like going into that with social media and everything else, like you, you're exploring this new music in the age of that, like, right. There's social media, there's everything. Uh, you can share files on the internet with, with other musicians. Like you could, you could make a record with someone over here in Japan at the same time. Like you could totally do that. 
and having that at your fingertips, do you find that that's are you in helpful? Japan? Are you, are you in Japan? No, no. But we could have you here, you in Australia, me in Portland, Oregon, and have someone in Japan, and we could do a project, right? Just sending files back yeah. and forth. That was something where yeah. it just didn't seem like it was possible back then. So, like, do you feel that that helps with your creativity, having access to so many things, or do you think it hinders it? No, I think it's awesome. I love it. I mean, it means um, it means that you can do things remotely, and you do, it's it's almost you don't have to get a big studio, you don't have to make a big production about things because that's ultimately it doesn't really matter as long as you capture something cool. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter if it's in someone's bedroom. Um, I, I I absolutely love it. The the kind of that the the age of you know door recordings. Um, it's bloody awesome. Like, I mean, I, I recorded another track, uh, I don't know, probably a few weeks ago now. Um, you know, those songs, like there's a bunch, like Breathe In, Breathe Out is one of mm-hmm. those songs that just, it just kind of appears in, in a millisecond, you know, where other songs you kind of have to really work at it and takes a bit more time. So in this very room, so this is my, uh, I'm at my parents-in-law's house and this is like the, the my sister-in-law has a baby and this is like the baby's room. So I'm oh, sitting nice. in the baby's room. So about two weeks ago, um, I was sitting at the piano because I've got a piano here um, and I just started playing this riff on the piano, like a little arpeggiated kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And I could hear this melody is going around my head and I just ran in here, plugged in this uh, controller keyboard yeah. and laid and laid down, you know, like a laid down a keys base base, the keys for it, a bass line, then some, um, you know, some atmospheric stuff. And then I sang, I sang with some ideas and it was using the mic on these headphones and I sent it to the producer I've been working with. I said, dude, you got to check this out. It's, I think it's really cool. And he was like, man, when are you coming up to Byron Bay? We've got to record that song. Uh, so then, anyway, went up there. So there you go. There's the first instance. Sent him a file and he loved it. Yeah. And it was like 20 minutes later. Um, anyway, so then a couple of weeks later, I was in Byron Bay. We recorded it. It's, it's a really, really cool track. Um, and it had piano on it. Like I played the piano on that controller keyboard. And it sounds horrible, right? But, in, you know, it was enough to get the idea. And then we sent it to a, a, a pianist who recorded it all at home and sent us, you know, half a dozen files with a couple of different ideas and the main kind of track. And then um, only a couple of days ago, he mixed, you know, flew them in, mixed it. So, you know, there's only kind of, there's been like four touch points through that whole process mm-hmm. and you've got a fully recorded, mixed, mastered track. That's insane. You know, so it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so, it just means you can get those thoughts and those feelings out of your head so much quicker mm-hmm. and, it, you know, and you can satisfy that creativity so much quicker and you don't have to, you know, and you can do it at a professional level that's, you know, kind of world-class and you don't have to go into, you know, a $2,000 a day studio. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I think it's bloody awesome. Man. See, that's a cool process right there. You know, and, and the stories behind it, all those things like, so this, this new, this new record, like, were you in a studio for the record itself? Like this was just a song you had the other day that you just put out this way. 
like you, you put it all together, like you just said, but like the, the, the music that I got sent, the, the breathe in, breathe out, all that stuff. Was that done at a proper studio? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that, I mean, similar, there are some definite, definite crossovers. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I record and then I'll take it like most of this, all this, all the songs that I've been working on and I'm releasing over the next 12 months or so. Uh, I worked with a producer in Byron Bay called Jordan Power. Okay. Um, so yeah, often like, you know, I, I'd have ideas on the, on, on my control, just on my door on my computer on a controller keyboard and the trusty mic, the, you know, probably two millimeter microphone on, on this headset. <laughs> um, and then, I, and then I'd send it to him and yeah, you know, we, we just kind of back and forth to, to find, you know, the tracks that are going to work, but on breathe in, breathe out. It was, it's a little bit different. I, again, I was, I was actually at my in-laws again. Maybe this is the magical place I need to come yeah, to music. The nursery. Um, in the <laughs> yeah. It wasn't this room. I call it my, uh, my wife's um, bedroom in this house. Uh, we were over for dinner or something. And um, I was in her old bedroom which is like a 16 year old's bedroom. There's like this fairies on the wall. Um, it's very cute. Um, I was in that bedroom and I just, I just started kind of playing the chords to breathe in, breathe out. Uh, and they're, it's really simple. I don't even know what the chords are off the top of my head. I'd have to figure it out. Um, that's good. That's going to work really well when we do it live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just started playing the chords in her 16 year old bedroom and with the fairies on the wall. And, um, I just started sing, kind of singing that, um, that melodic line. And that's all it was. It was kind of just that verse idea. And then I went again, told Jordan, Jordan about it, Jordan power and went up to Byron Bay and, kind of got in the studio and it wasn't finished at all. Like I didn't have lyrics. It was just the chords and that melody. And I was like, it's just got a little spark about it. And yeah, in the studio, like I was showing him and then I just started kind of trying some different melodies and different kind of things around it. And then once I sung the, the don't breathe in, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's when Jordo was like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's the part we've got to grab that. So then we just kind of, you know, w- within like a day, we just. What's going on guys. This is Dewey from Peer pleasure. And I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, distro kid, distro kid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks and they're going to be with us for a while. And I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies and distro kid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, 
promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. 
peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. We just laid it up and just turned it into a track. Man, it's wild. Like, it, when did you, like, you did some some music before you were doing it's something called bento right before before this like it was like an actual group like like put together where uh is what it seemed like to me is that is that correct yeah it like, was, i mean it was kind of it was that it was similar to this it was just me yeah okay but, but, but it was a moniker yeah but i kind of felt like i felt like the bento project was more of a because i i i lost i think i lost a bit of confidence in the silver chair stuff because I wasn't writing, you know, so I lost a bit of confidence in myself in my songwriting. And I think the bento record felt like a bit of a, it's a bit of a mishmash of songs. Like it was a bit of a kind of purge of just ideas just to kind of get some of the, get some of my confidence back Mm -hmm. in, in songwriting where, where this, this, this new body of work is, is, it's just me. Like it's, I think it could be an age thing as well of kind of not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, you start not care, you start not 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 caring, but you start you don't give a shit what people think about you, and you and you just start going, what's what's going to satisfy all the what's going to satisfy my soul, basically. Yeah, and and you know, I kind of got to that that place. And that's where all this music is coming from. So, you know, I feel like it's a lot more focused and it's a lot more me. And yeah, I've just, I've got my confidence back and I'm really happy. And, and so that's, I think it's a good, it's a, I'm in a good place musically. So yeah, but that's, that's, that's where the bento thing, I think, you know, it kind of, it was just a piece of a puzzle for myself to, you know, to get the confidence back. Yeah. I hear you like a stepping stone, just kind of, I hear you with the purge, you know, like I, uh, I definitely, definitely understand that. And, and uh, so, I mean, you gotta be feeling great at this point, like having, having, uh, like a path, like having a, like what, what is, what were you doing? Cause there's been a while, it's been a while since you were like full-time touring and stuff. Like, what have you been doing in the meantime? Like to, uh, to fill your days. And like, uh, I've been curious on that because it's just been a long time. And then now music's coming out. It came out with Bento and then it's coming out now in between now and then, what have you been doing, uh, with your time? Um, I kind of, uh, for a few years there, I kind of, I helped, I was doing a lot of work for my wife. Um, she did some TV stuff and she did like a tour, like a, like a motivational tour. So I kind of, I, I, for a little while there, I I didn't put my life on pause, but I definitely kind of put my stuff on the back burner to give her, to, you know, to kind of do some stuff for her because that's what you do for your partner. Oh, that's what I that's what I want to do for my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was happy to do that, but I think you know, again, it's it's like that thing in 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 silver chair, you know, it kind of having to satisfy those urges. I think it just got to a point where I just said, okay, cool. Well, I've you know, I've done what I could for, for your, for you and your career. So now I'm, I'm going to go back to, to what I, what I have to do for myself. Otherwise mm-hmm. I'm going to start getting angry again. Um, so, so yeah, so I did some of that I, during that time, like, you know, the last say five or six years, I've still been writing and 
you know, I think there was still a little bit of purging that had to go, go, go on as well. Like it's funny, some of, you know, I think with songwriting, what you do is, you know, you write a bunch of, you have these kind of waves of creativity. So, you know, there was definitely, there's probably been a couple of waves in that time. And I think the first wave was, was some music that sounded like the bento stuff that I was doing. And it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I, I kind of had to, you know, I probably, I did a dozen songs or more, you know, of, of which most of them, most of them just got, you know, they just got lost because they just didn't have what, what I wanted them to have. Mm-hmm. There's a couple, there's a couple that I've held on to that are probably the strongest ones from that, from that kind of bunch. But it kind of feels like the, the wave of creativity in the last couple of years is where all the new materials come from but you know it's just that's just the process you just you know it's um take it break it and then remake it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i do absolutely absolutely do you have do you have kids no not yet we're we're, we're actually doing ivf at the moment my really? wife and i yeah 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 oh man so that's uh yeah which is pretty that's pretty intense as well so at, at, at the same time as i'm putting out new music yeah, we're on we're on a we're on the IVF train. So it's uh it's a colorful time, let's put it that way. Yeah. Jesus, man, you're busy. Like and 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 it all comes with new birth, right? Like hopefully it, it all the way around, right? Like it's just new life and and uh new energy and a new path and and uh it's got to feel fantastic. I mean, and what is it what and one thing I also am curious about because with when I was with Portugal the man like it was right before they blew up right they blew up huge Grammy Grammys like uh, huge tours uh, insanity like crazy insanity after that um, and I would imagine when it say say Portugal went on a hiatus and uh, John wanted to do a new project or or Zach wanted to do a new project that machine that was working you know the Portugal angle would either want a piece of it or maybe turn their back altogether. Like what, what has it been like going from having that machine? And this is not like, I'm not trying to talk silver chair, but like coming from a band of that level to then going on your own, were there a lot of people wanting to put their hands in the mix or get involved with it? Or was it still having to sell yourself like you did where like, uh, where they didn't take it as, okay, this has been from silver chair. It's automatically going to be great. We're going to put this out. We want to be in that business did you still have to like sell yourself? And I don't mean sell yourself like in the negative way, but you know, prove yourself and show that your material is something they want or were they immediately just grabbing at it? If that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, no, it does. No, I think uh, it's definitely something that I have to work on myself. Like I I don't have anyone, you know, there's no one helping me. There's no one kind of, you know, there's no machine, but I am the machine. Yeah. See, (laughs) that's what I'm getting at. Like, like they, so you have to then, uh, take it and, and sell it, sell it, you know, and it's not like, Hey, Oh yeah. Anything you do, we, we want it. You know, it's not, there's nothing like that where I'm working in the back end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's, it's all me. It's all, it's all, I have to do it. I have to do it myself. So, um, and to be honest with you, I kind of, it's kind of nice because for so many years, you know, the Mm -hmm. silver chair machine, it's although it's a great machine and and it can you know it's 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 an amazing thing um 
Yeah, I think being independent and doing it yourself, it's pretty liberating and it doesn't have as much pressure. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure when, you, when you're doing it at that level that you have to perform at a certain level. And, you know, you, you want to as well. You want to push yourself and you want to, you know, perform at a particular level when you're kind of on the international stage. I mean, everyone's on the international stage these days anyway with bloody with the internet. Yeah, that's but, true. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess it's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it, <clears throat> it's different, but I definitely, yeah, it's, it's all me, man. It's all, I'm kind of doing the whole thing. And so you funded everything, like everything's just coming straight from, from all from you. That's awesome. Yeah, funded everything. Like, I mean, I talk uh, like the couple of videos that I've got coming out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've you talk directly to the director. Like, you're working directly with the directors about the the treatment and the. You know, I mean, I've you go to the shoots and, um, you know, you're working with the with the DOPs and like with the Silverchair stuff. That's not really stuff that you know. We we have input on the on the treatments. Like we you know we have to approve treatments, but uh for this stuff it's yeah you, you really everything's really hands-on and um you know i mean i did a photo shoot the other day for press shots and it was great man like we didn't we didn't need this whole like the photographer is an absolute gun he's an absolute legend shoot still shoots on film and that just looks unreal um i'm not saying i look un- well i actually <laughs> fuck it yeah i look unreal yes um um, yeah, but you know, just, um, it was, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good because you can, it's almost guerrilla style. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the two, he, he just kind of came to my house. He put up a, he put up a, a backdrop, you know, and then it was just the two of us just kind of hanging out. You know, we ordered some lunch and we kind of, you know, just, I just, there was no stylist. There was no makeup. There was no, there, was, there wasn't all the all the kind of bells and whistles. It was just two guys hanging out, and I think because of that, you know, it doesn't have the expectations of being. It has to be a certain thing, like the material, like the stuff that comes out is just way more. It's closer to the source. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. You know, it hasn't been through. It hasn't been through. Um, and this isn't just for me. I think any kind of artist that's doing, you know, it's a lot of it's just themselves. It's, you know, you couldn't get closer to the source where I think a lot of the, you know, really commercial stuff, like it's just been through so many hands before it kind of gets to market. Yeah. I don't think people realize the amount of hands that go into something like that. I really don't. And I, and I, it's just like this thing like it's behind the scenes. You don't see it unless you're in it. And then it's, it's just insane. The amount of hoops to jump through. I mean, that's, that's incredible right there. Coming to your house, setting up a backdrop, having lunch, just sharing a moment, right? Like sharing something real. Like that's the one thing that there's so much in the world still that's so fake and, and oversaturated and uh, you know, overproduced and over, I mean, just over the top. Like there's, there's, it's just insane. So something pure like that has got to feel, I mean, just special, you know, and, and, uh, that's, it's funny that even with all this stuff we have available to us where we have, you know, uh, all the stuff online, all the stuff, like the connections, like right now you're in Australia, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and 
we're looking at each other, we're talking. I don't think there's any latency on this audio signal. Like it's like we're talking two rooms away from each other, but we're halfway around the world. And uh, you know, it's it's crazy. But to have a moment like that in in this in this oversaturated world is is few and far between, it seems like. And to be able to get a grasp on that, especially now at 40, um, I'm sure you just appreciate it all that much more after seeing the, the other side. Yeah. But. You know what? It, it kind of, it makes me think, <clears throat> you know, with the silver chair machine, right. I, it would actually be, it would be amazing to do a silver chair record without, you know, without 16 producers. Well, we don't have, we, we never had 16 producers, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, there's always like, uh, you know, uh, engineers and assistants and other producers. And, you know, it's always, it was, it was always a big production. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, it would, it'd be interesting, you know, if Silverchair did a record that was just, you know, hanging out at someone's house and you, you, you know, you've got the technology now to use Pro Tools or whatever the door it is. Yeah, in in a house and just kind of do a record that way because you you do. I find not having the pressure of expectation. Um, you know, it kind of it's very liberating. So yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I think it's you know um, there, there's a lot of positives and negatives, but I think it's probably always been that way, right? I think in the say in the in the 70s and 80s and 90s before the kind of technology started to emerge for you know at home recording or or you know have the the benefits of of the internet and just that kind of fast paced instant instant kind of uh feedback um you know I, I reckon there's probably there must have been dozens of artists that would have been you know, superstars and were incredible at what they did, but they just never got the chance to, to be seen. Yeah. You know? Um, where, where, where at the moment, where now, like, you know, anybody can record themselves singing a song and throw it on YouTube and, you know, look at Justin Bieber, probably not the best example, but it's an example. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I don't know really know his story, but I, I, as far as I know, he was he recorded a bunch of songs and put on YouTube, and Usher saw it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think his dad or stepdad was like managing him, kind of like putting the material up there or helping with it. And I think there was some kind of controversy there later, but yeah, it was just putting stuff on YouTube. A super young kid that could play all these different instruments. I think he's from Canada. I think. You know what, yeah. So you know what I mean? Like, say mm-hmm. for for lack of a better example. Well, actually, there probably are better examples, but that's what we're going with. So let's say that, you know, Justin Bieber kind of emerged in 1980. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no reason that he could have spent his whole life busking the streets of Canada and, and never been because he, you know, he was never kind of discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, A&R guys are pretty cluey. They're pretty good at kind of finding people. But, you know, if if you're not in a band, like, I don't know where they would have played or I I don't know, but it's just, you know, they're just different environments. We're just in different environments. Yeah. It's just, well, these, these little tiny events too, that there are these little tiny things that have these huge impacts on our lives. Like with you guys too, wasn't it like a, uh, like a competition, uh, you sent a tape in or something or someone's mom sent in a tape and it happened to, 
get up there and like into the right hands and then everything kind of it's like little stuff like that like wasn't that kind of how things happened like it's it's crazy to think about if anything worked out differently everything would have been completely it may have never happened at all it's crazy yeah i mean and i still you know i still i'm still very thankful to this day that we wrote the song tomorrow you know because i i don't believe it, it you know who actually i don't know what would have happened to us if it wasn't for that song because mm-hmm. that that basically that was the thing that kind of launched our career but you know that that the way that song emerged was uh was out of a jam in my bedroom in newcastle and i remember like we didn't we didn't write it down we didn't record it we didn't do anything with it um i called dan like later that day saying hey we should finish that song we should write a song to that that thing we were jamming on today Mm -hmm. and you know like if yeah if you don't if you didn't have that moment of jamming and if you didn't you know, kind of say, Hey, maybe we, maybe we should just figure something out around that idea. <laughs> you know, who knows, like, who knows, yeah. who knows what, it, what would have happened. Or again, like the, uh, it was someone's next door neighbor that suggested that we put a demo tape into a, a competition called Nomad. Uh, and it was a, a TV station in Australia. And again, like, you know, if that person didn't know about that TV show, or that there was a band competition, like yeah, who knows? Who knows how it would have rolled out? But God, you can't live yourself. You can't live your life like that. Yeah, yeah, you'll drive yourself crazy. Think about how yeah. many neighbors fucking hate the band next door. It's the complete opposite of your situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, the- I mean, I mean, you could you could spend your whole life kind of pulling apart like all the little moments and go, oh. What if I, I don't, this is what I say to my wife. Sometimes I say, I don't like sentences with should I, would have, could I, if, or maybe, um, I don't, I don't want to hear sentences with those things in it. Like, yeah. Although I do do it. Like, you know, we all do it sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but I try to avoid it at, at, at cost because, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if, if it didn't happen a certain way, it just didn't happen a certain way. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? um, Absolutely. And if, and if something hasn't happened yet, there's no use, there's no, there's, there's no real benefit to sit speculating like, Oh, what if this happens? What if that has, it's like, don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just let it roll. And, and, uh, you know, we'll figure it out, figure it out on the way we've, we've done just fine so far. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Man, you guys need to do that. You need to just go to a house or go go back to a house there in, in Newcastle, record a record, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody at all, and just be yourselves, write it, do it, and put it out just as a surprise. Just release it. What, what do you mean, Silverchair? Yeah, like just like you were saying, you wanted to, to do like a house thing, like record at a house and kind of take all the machine out of it. I wonder how that would blow over <laughs> if all of a sudden, oh, shit, there's a new... Yeah, you'd have... 50 million people trying to call and what the hell's going on? What are you guys doing? Uh, yeah. Shit. Like, you know, what? Our, our, like our management is, has always been, that'd probably be very, uh, very encouraging of something like that, to be honest. Yes. There, there you go. It's, it's more when it goes beyond that point, 
Yeah. You know, but what, what I would like, what, what I think would be cool in, with the silver chair is to actually capture that moment and make that a record rather than mm-hmm. saying, Hey, let's, let's work on something. And then it has to be plugged into this, you know, this, the big machine. Yeah. Like capture, capture the part before the machine, polish it up, make that a record. Yeah. That'd be cool. Dude. I, the, the funny contrast for me is, is that I was on the school bus riding back and forth to school listening to Frog Stomp while you guys were out living Frog Stomp like two years older than me. It's so crazy to think about. But, uh, dude, I, I, uh, I am so stoked for what you have coming and, and what I've heard so far. Um, I wish I had a little bit more to, to hear before this. I got the, the Breathe In, Breathe Out song and then... Uh, like a very, very little bit. I heard, I heard some from the website. Um, so I'm stoked to hear the rest of it, but I love the direction it's going. And I, uh, like I said, I'm just so, so happy that you're happy doing what you want to do. Um, you know, making music and, and getting to be actually it all coming from you, which is awesome. You know, like it's all your thoughts, your feelings, your, your, it's your creation. It's a beautiful thing, you know? And, uh, you know, it's such a, um, you know, and, and of course I, I admire the work you did with Silverchair, you know, cause that I had a lot of time to sit with that band. Right. And, and, and hear the music and let, and experience things while that music was going. Um, so I definitely, I, I, I thank you so much for the music you put out with that band too. Um, the amount of hours of enjoyment and stuff and getting me through things like, uh, putting on those records, you know, diorama to this day is still in my top five records of all time. Right. And, and, uh, just cause it took me so long to, to peel all the layers of that onion, right. Like to, to really dive in. And, and I had a talk on this podcast with, uh, Steve Evitz, uh, as a producer, uh, about our love for that record. And, and, uh, um, cool. you know, and, and I, I just, I'm so, I'm so stoked to see what comes next you know, and, and see how this stuff does and, and to dig into it more myself. Um, and I just appreciate you as a, as a, a fan of music. Um, you know, oh, awesome, it's, man. it's awesome. You. Um, real quick before we jump off, um, have you heard the, and I don't, uh, I know we're not on a silver chair kick, but have you heard that silver chair podcast that that guy Daniel's doing out of Australia? It's called too much uh, of not enough. No, I haven't. It's, I think I've, I think I may have seen something online about it, but I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't heard it. It's impressive. It the oh, cool. the detail he goes into. He starts breaking apart chord progressions. Uh, your drumming. Uh, I mean, he he does his research. He had Nick Lane on for an interview. Um, he's he is it's 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 impressive. Um, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if you guys have listened to it, but, uh, I wanted to shout him out because he's really putting in work and it's done in yeah, such cool. a tasteful way. It's not like a fan freaking out on things. It's very professional. It's well done. And it's, it's, it's accurate. He's pulling from actual, uh, footage and, uh, uh, he's playing piano parts to, uh, accentuate what he's talking about. Anyways, if you get a chance it's worth, I mean, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth just popping a listen and just listen to what he's doing because it's really pretty impressive. I've heard some podcasts of people that are fans of other bands that are just geeking out on stuff. This guy's actually like making a piece of work. Um, oh, so cool. it's really cool. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 
it's a bit difficult for me to, to listen, probably listen to like silver chest. Like I was there, I kind of did it. So yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for <laughs> so, the world, it's something that he's putting a, putting something out there for the world to uh, really grab an understanding as well as they can of, of who wasn't there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Cool. But uh, dude, awesome. maybe I'll, I'll go check it out. Yeah. He's super, he's a good dude. And uh, uh, he's just putting in the work. It's cool to see someone doing something like that, you know? And, uh, but man, like, like I say, I'm, I'm so glad we got to, to hop on the line here and chat. And uh, like I say, as a fan of music, thank you, uh, you know, for all you're putting in the world. Um, it means the world to me and, and, uh, it's been awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, we'll have to do it again when the, when the more music comes out. Yeah. I want to be able to be a little more well-versed and I've only got the couple songs, so I've, I'm stoked to see the rest of it and, and really dive in. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm a fan first. So, uh, awesome dude. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you. You have a lovely day. You as well. We'll talk soon. See you, Joey. See ya. Bye. Bye, mate. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Ben Gillies from Silverchair. Uh, ben Gillies, he has a solo record coming out soon, and uh, bengillies.com is a website if you want to check out his solo music. Uh, like I said, when I did this interview, I had only heard the one song, so uh, I didn't have much to go off of. Uh, but, yeah, big thanks to him for coming on and, and uh, being into uh, doing the show. It was really a cool experience. So, uh, anyways, guys, thank you for coming back week after week. Be sure to tell a friend about the show. Uh, tell a family member. I've, I've been getting tons of messages from people that heard about the show from somebody else. Uh, and that's the best way, the word of mouth, because it means one of you is listening. And uh, I mean, you guys can affect a lot of people and bring the show to a lot of people's ears. And uh, I love that. So thank you so much for doing that week after week. And like I said, we got big stuff coming. You guys are going to hear it before, uh, before you know it. It's going to be awesome. And it's probably going to surprise you, but it's going to be excellent. And I'm so stoked to have you guys on board all right so i've got lots to do prepping for a lot of things so i'm gonna get out of here big thanks to ben gillies big thanks to all of you and as always we'll see you on the radio
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.